because from AEW's perspective, and I do think it's the correct perspective, um, we have the biggest drawing power in this entire situation. So everybody's, in fact, getting over. Everyone is. Everyone's, in fact, getting over in all of this. This is a mutually beneficial situation for everyone. However, at every single point, you know, hey, it can't be 80. We still got to get ours. And any other professional wrestling company would do this. You know, goddamn well, WWE would do that. Uh, The deal wouldn't even happen because they can't handle, you know, most anything outside the realm of of them being number one in every particular instance. But uh, I do understand the thought process of being like, hey, look, no, we're you gonna get us. That's that's a given. Now is not the time for that, especially if you can do it in a more impactful way, especially if they maybe feel like, what if he what if we have him drop it on our TV? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if we have him drop it on our TV realistically in the States, it puts more eyes on your product. And for the ratings purposes, that gives us more. That just it, it just does. And we have the biggest TV. So AAA, that's actually a good deal for them, right? Because yes. they get they get their main event first, and then you get like you said, more eyes on your product. And you actually get to do the title switch with audience and you ask watching. Exactly. It does, it does make sense for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just thought, like I said, same thing as, uh, as we talked about with Impact before. I don't necessarily hate it. I just think there was a better story, better story available. Um, or at least the story that I can follow more. Easily. It, 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 it was the story uh, that we saw. So the story that we saw made sense to us, which is not to say that it is wrong, but I have to trust based on what I've seen of them so far. It's like, well, I also trust how y'all do this. So I trust I trust the booking decisions that you're making. And I think that's why I'm so much more apt to trust it, because these are booking decisions. These are not writing. You know what I'm saying? It's booking. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you once again to your favorite weekly wrestling show, uh, Give Me the Book. My name is Mike Calloway. With me, as always, my co-host. The El Guapo of professional wrestling commentary and stand-up comedy, Satoyo. Guys, thank you so much once again for listening to Give Me the Book secretly, not so secretly, the greatest podcast on professional wrestling that you can find anywhere. Please listen all the time. Thank you. That's right. That is correct. Uh, Like us, subscribe, uh, leave a comment, tell your friends. Uh, tell you kids, we're very kid friendly. Uh, and uh, let's get into it. We have a whole lot of topics to cover. This is a great time to be a wrestling fan. Maybe you must oh, too great. Uh, seeing my time dominated by wrestling more and more these days. That's because <laughs> we have another show. We have Rampage yes. added yes. to our weekly uh, lineup. And uh, let's get started with that. Let's talk about the first match on the Rampage. Let's talk about the man who lost his style, the man who won his style, Kenny Omega. The man had two titles, two title matches. The first one, as I said, was the first match in Rampage history against the one and only Christian Cage, who is now your Impact World Heavyweight Champion. So, what do you think of the match? What do you think of Rampage? 
I thought uh, one, I mean, it, that's really one of my favorite matches of the year uh, in terms of not only the execution, but the simplicity of the match. Um, it was a great, great balance. Um, give Kenny his flowers, give Christian their flowers, honestly, because realistically, without guys like Christian, they're not guys like Kenny Omega, quite frankly. Uh, but it was interesting to see that, you know, everything that they did in that match made a pretty good amount of sense. Uh, Christian once again shows you that there are levels to this stuff. There's levels to this pro wrestling game, and not many people are on that level, quite frankly. Also, you know, much props have to be given to Kenny, who's really just really morphed well into this heel role uh, that he's had as the belt collector, best bout machine, uh, slimy type of guy, because he's he's gotten better as a heel. He's gotten better. It looks like some of his uh, nagging injuries have have sort of, you know, they, they're they a bit more stabilized now because his match quality has improved, which it's not like he's under any obligation to go out there and kill himself every night. Let's be clear. Uh, but this, I thought it was an excellent match. Uh, it was just so much fun. Again, one thing I can always say about AEW, their crowds are just so much better. Their audiences are just far superior. And uh, uh, yeah, it, it, the pop was amazing. The, uh, the energy throughout, it's not one of those crowds where they're just happy to be up where they're they're trying to interject themselves into the match. They are letting the match and the story be the match and the story. We knew who we were against in Kenny Omega. We knew who we were for Christian Cage. And they gave us on 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 TV a banger of a match, in my opinion, especially for the presentation and how much time it was given. That's an instant class of a classic of a match that you could have uh, on TV. Yeah, I thought it was an excellent match as well. You know, a little bit of a throwback kind of reminds me of like really good attitude era match. Not too much flippy stuff. Not too many. I don't think there were any dives that I can remember. No. Um, uh, no uh, Christian did like a drop kick on the outside, but that's about it. Um, uh, just one kind of sunset powerbomb is like one high spot. And um, yeah, there was a, a, a distraction finish, which again kind of goes with the attitude era type pacing, but I think it was really well done. Maybe a little bit too long for my taste, but. Again, I'm just nitpicking here. I did like that. I thought it was a really, really good match. Um, that being said, let me ask you this. Did Impact make a horrible mistake with this? Or does Impact now suffer because of it? Asking you, this because uh, Kenny Omega has been built up as this big bad who somebody from Impact was finally going to conquer and, you know, be celebrated as, oh, this guy finally brought the title back home to where it belongs. Now it goes to Christian a person who is a baby face because he will be now, I guess they can have somebody uh, be him and have, you know, maybe make it be a heel, like somebody like W. Morrissey, but I just don't think, of course, now I don't think it would have the same impact. As uh, to, that's beating Kenny Omega with it. To, to that end, no, I don't think they made a huge mistake. I think that it was a situation whereas I don't think given who the title's on now, I don't think they could have gone wrong in that respect based on what they had already chosen to do. You know what I'm saying? It seems like they were more inclined to have a title change take place when you could have fans back in the space again. Um, and I think that that definitely helps. Now also you get Christian Cage, who is a bona fide superstar. This is a fact. Whether or not you want to argue the merits of who's a bigger star, uh, Kenny or Christian, I'd still go with Christian based on the overall exposure of the guy and the type of TV that he was on and the fact that his career is just much, much longer. So you have an individual in Christian Cage who has all of this, who's a multiple time world champion across numerous companies and has won the title back in the company that was that he was that really people really forget 
Impact was the first place, or TNA at the time, was the first place that was like, yes, you are a main eventer. Yes, you are worthy of being a world champion. Yes, you are a draw for us and all that stuff. It was Impact, and then he went back to WWE to then continue to have to fight to prove that he was those things. Um, So the ties that bind in that regard are just so strong, and also I think Impact does a very, very good job on top of it doesn't necessarily matter. It's about the title mattering. Ma- the title matters more. So it could be face versus face. It could be heel versus heel. It could be heel versus face. Doesn't particularly matter. You had Moose and and uh, and Kenny go at it. They're both heels. You had uh, Kenny and Sammy go at it, and they're both basically heels. Even though Sammy was like for storyline purposes or this story that we're telling, I'm not the bad guy, and he's, he wasn't. You know, because it was about hey. Impact needs one of their own to bring the title back. Uh, if you're going to have anyone right now uh, take the title off of Kenny, given the fact that their ratings were slipping a bit, uh, which is unfortunate, I would then put it back on one of their better champions, have him be an impact, and then someone takes that from him. Uh, because having Christian on your TV doesn't hurt anything for them. I agree with that. And again, my comment was not about who the bigger star or who the bigger draw is. It was just more so, again, about the story being told. Yes. Yeah. And I do think, personally, I, I do think they kind of, and again, especially now that the next match we have is uh, Christian versus Brian Mays, which I just don't, I wouldn't be too excited about Brian Mays versus Kenny Omega, but I'm really not excited about this. Because and get me excited for it. Christian versus Brian Mays. I, I don't know if, I, if that moves the needle at all for for impact. I, I, I and here's the and here's the juxtaposition. Here's where they find themselves in. The, I think that Christian versus Brian is a better story, a better match than Christian versus Kenny. Because realistically, I think Christian is just one of the best. Then, uh, then uh, Kenny versus Brian. Yes, yes. Sorry, yeah. Then Kenny versus Brian. I think Christian is just one of the best. You can get more out of that match, and uh, you can. I think you can tell more stories with that match. Um, based on however they choose to go, and there's going to be less rigmarole because Kenny, as the as the heel champion, brings a lot to him. Christian's just like white meat baby face veteran who's coming to def- like just one of those old school world champions. You know, baby face, I'm here to defend my belt. That's what that is, you know, type of thing. Whereas with Kenny, there's always going to be a bit more riffraff, which is a good story to tell. But I think outside of the current uh, X Division champion, they didn't have really a, a comparable baby face to really handle, you know, that. So getting the title off of him when you're not going to make the move to bump up someone like Alexander, to me, makes sense. Yeah. I, uh, again, I, I think you are right uh, on that. I just forget personally, I'm. A little bit upset about it, but again, I think Christian can be can do great things for Impact. And like you said, there is that tie of mm-hmm. uh, brands. So in the way the Impact title is almost like, if it's not fully back, it's almost like halfway home, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. being Christian. Uh, what do you think of the rest of the show? What do you think of the... We had two more matches on the yeah. show. We had uh, yeah. uh, uh, Fuego Del Sol being squashed by Miro, but then getting a contract to, you know, be at AEW. He was super over with the crowd. We also had women's title match with... Uh, uh, Baker DMD um, defending her title against Red Velvet. Um, and again, the crowd was super behind her in her hometown in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I thought the rest of the show was good. The beauty of what they're doing is it's only an hour. So it's it's really hard to, to mess up an hour. And the crowd is pumped and they were jacked for it. I thought, again, it was all story building, which I'm cool with. Um, Fuego Del Sol, hey, the people love him. He's just, he's one of their guys and the people really love the kid and all that. So that was a good feel good moment. Um, I think the main event, Red Velvet is very good. Britt Baker 
is is I mean, she's their most um, not only their most polarizing champion, but she's obviously the biggest draw in their women's division right now. So she could do no wrong in that match, even though she is clearly the like really one of the worst heels in the company. She's like one of the worst people in the company. So she's a terrible, terrible person. Um, but uh, you know, AEW finds themselves in that position where the heel could do no wrong. Uh, I was very happy for Red Velvet um, to see her get that moment to shine and showcase what she could do. I think they they put on a hell of an effort. I think the crowd really helped carry that match. Um, as much as as hard as those two women worked, uh, I'll never like Britt Baker's finish. I think it's dumb, but that's fine. Um, you think the AEW did? They made the, a lot of progress this year, specifically on in the women's division, as we talked mm-hmm. about. But now they find themselves in a curious position where they have the same person as their biggest baby face and the biggest heel by far. Not saying best, I'm saying biggest as far as the listening reaction from the crowd. Is that uh, do you think that's a problem for them? I mean, to me, that's not really a good thing for your division. Usually, I don't know. I don't I don't think it's a problem for them because I think, again, WWE could learn something from this, which they knew about, but they got away from having a marquee star is not a problem. There's nothing wrong with having a marquee star. And it's been very, very obvious since she the moment she stepped into the company when the when we all uh, initially just sort of were like, she's not good. (laughs) She's not good. And then she turned heel her personality got to come through and she was more captivating as a heel who had to work as a heel. So they kind of based a lot of things around her and helped build her up in that way. Keep in mind, they also have a lot of other uh, stars, none that shine as bright as her on the women's division, but that's okay because then eventually those people work themselves up and then someone beats her and takes that thing off her. I don't think there's anything wrong with having marquee stars. There's nothing wrong with someone being like, oh, AEW, and then someone be like Britt Baker. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And WWE used to know that. They got away from that, and they've suffered tremendously for that. Um, well, that so it's, it's the problem that right now, yeah, she so, seems like so by, by far the biggest baby face and the biggest heel. Yes. The point where I don't know who can come next to challenge. I guess yeah. you have to make someone. You, you have to make someone, and you have to give it time. You know, that's just sort of, and again, thank, that's just what it is. I mean, you know, it's not like Britt Baker came in and then all of a sudden she was just women's champion. It took a little bit. So it, it's just going to need to be one of those time things. And, and they have, you know, unfortunately they've had some injuries like Tay Conti just came back. Number 99 is, is on the shelf. Uh, Serena Deeb is on the shelf taking care of her knee. you got to build up Hukaru Shida again because you had her tap in the middle of the ring. So you got to build her back up again, which is something they shouldn't have done, but you got to build her back up, keep her away from Brit, bring it, bring it back, and then you know get to let her showcase her personality. Chris Statlander, of course, uh, Nyla Rose will always be lurking, even though she's you know lost there. So, or you have Jade Cargill, you have people that you got. It's just going to take time. They're actually other people. They're building up Jade very, very nicely, but they're doing it in such a way that they understand this going this going to take more than a year. So we got to put her over here. That's the smart thing to do. But all that means is that as you continue to build that person up, then you have the Britt Baker, who's also elevating the situation as well with with her title and her run, much like they're doing mostly with every title that they have currently. I think you're right. I can definitely see Jay Cargill versus Britt Baker being a money feud. You Muslim, I can see them work again. As both can, they can cut a promo. They can both um, um, a little rough in the ring, but at least it would yes. be an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with with Jay being like so much bigger and Britt actually being the veteran um, in the ring and you know being like the ring general of the two, and also maybe kind of someone who outsmarts Jay Cargo, kind of mm-hmm. the bigger opponent with like 
Mm-hmm. Um, but the rebel on the side of whoever she will have. RSI, she got a new, um, I don't know if I should remember the name, but there was a new uh, psychic that they. Yes, beat. yes, yes, yes. I cannot remember the, the young the young woman's name. My apologies oh, for that. Yeah. Often. I mean, I'll find it uh, in the midst of this. Yeah, but she's got a new heater. You know, That's and right, that so. and that heater and the heater can go like she's, you know, she's um she's and again, she's you know, she's across the pond. So she had visa issues that were tying her up for a while. But again, it's another that's another thing to add to Britt Baker and, and to help build. And again, not only help Britt Baker, but also help out her to build herself up, you know, so wherever we choose to go, it's like uh, I'm sorry, Jamie Hayter is her name. Right. Um, to build up Jamie to get herself over. And to build herself up in that dynamic, because all this all, you put all these heaters around Brit, however you choose to blow off that, then you have like if if Jamie and 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 Reba want to turn against Brit to make her solidly a baby face, you can do that. If she's going like, to you have all these uh, uh, these possibilities that are really, really good that could make for long term uh, storytelling much in the same way that they've done on top with their world uh, champion and Kenny Omega. Speaking of Kenny Omega, he had another match uh, this weekend after losing to Christian. A lot of people expected, expected him to drop his um, AAA title uh, to Andrade at Triple Mania. However, he retained the title once again with some heel shenanigans uh, with an unusual assistance. Usually, you know, he didn't have Don Callis. He did not have the lead at his side. Um, he had Conan while Andrade, mm-hmm. of course, had Ric Flair at his side. You keep it in the family, the baby. Match? What'd you think of Ric Flair being there? What do you think of uh, of the Triple Mania? Well, I thought Triple Mania. Here's the thing: whenever I watch Triple Mania, whenever I watch Lucha Libre, I have to, especially when it's Lucha Libre in Mexico. There's that's a cultural. That's a whole different. So I'm watching Lucha Libre. It's not professional wrestling as I would understand it. It's Lucha Libre. So it has to be given that respect. So I'm going to see things oftentimes that based on the product of professional wrestling that I came up watching, I'm going to see things that I'm like, why is this happening? And what I have to understand is that this is not my culture of professional wrestling. I just need to be okay with this if I enjoy professional wrestling. So I thought Triple Mania was good. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Deanna with Deanna Pedraza's, you know, another belt collector. I think that was the right move for AAA. Uh, in terms of the main event, I thought the main event was good. It's still, it's still Triple Mania. It's still, it's still AAA. So there are going to be things in it that I'm like, that's not, that's not for me at all. But with the culture and the crowd and everything, it makes perfect sense. Um, and and a lot of things make sense for storyline purposes. Like, yeah, like, I mean, it's not a secret. Andrade is with Charlotte Flair. So that's that's about to be, you know, Andrade, that his father-in-law is the greatest professional wrestler of all time. So like that's just what that is. Um, and uh, I understand. I actually do agree with the booking decision, actually, um, because and again, where, where wins and losses do have to matter and the manner in which a person loses. If he had lost it, that's OK, too, because you could just explain it that he had a bad week. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, well, you know, that was I just, what they were going to go with it. I thought that was going to be the storyline. Hey, and, I got my first two titles, but yes. now this in, this AEW is all I have, and I will do whatever I take to defend. And 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 go with it, right? But I think what you do is you understand, and I do. I don't think there was a wrong decision to make, but I do agree with this decision because from AEW's perspective, and I do think it's the correct perspective. Um, 
we have the biggest drawing power in this entire situation. So everybody's in fact getting over. Everyone is. Everyone's in fact getting over in all of this. This is a mutually beneficial situation for everyone. However, at every single point, you know, hey, it can't be 80. We still got to get ours. And any other professional wrestling company would do this. You know, goddamn well, WWE would do that. Uh, The deal wouldn't even happen because they can't handle, you know, most anything outside the realm of of them being number one in every particular instance. But uh, I do understand the thought process of being like, hey, look, no, we're you gonna get us. That's that's a given. Now is not the time for that, especially if you can do it in a more impactful way, especially if they maybe feel like, what if he what if we have him drop it on our TV? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if we have it and drop it on our TV, realistically in the States, it puts more eyes on your product. And for the ratings purposes, that gives us more. That just it, it just does. And we have the biggest TV. So to play, that's actually a good deal for them, right? Because yes. they get they get their main event first, and then you get like you said, more eyes on your product, and you actually get to do the title switch with audience and US watching. Exactly. So it, does, it does make sense for them. Yeah. Um, again, I just, I just thought, like I said, same thing as, uh, as we talked about with Impact before. I don't necessarily hate it. I just think there was a better story, better story available. Um, or at least the story that I can follow more. Easily. It, was, it, it was the story uh, that we saw. So the right. story that we saw made sense to us, which is not to say that it is wrong, but I have to trust based on what I've seen of them so far. It's like, well, I will trust how y'all do this. So I trust I trust the booking decisions that you're making. And I think that's why I'm so much more apt to trust it, because these are booking decisions. These are not writing. You know what I'm saying? It's booking. So, yeah. Fair enough. Let's talk about the other man. Another man who had two uh, matches this week and another man who I think has been just absolutely killing it in the, in the form of wrestling for completely different reasons than Kenny. Maybe as a character, he will be the other end of the belt collector, but I think he's just as good at his job as Kenny's at his. And is my man, the best character in all of wrestling, uh, Baron Corbin. That was very disrespectful. But uh, no, this is this is clearly the best that Baron Corbin's ever been as a character, uh, only because it's a character in transition. Uh, but the thing the thing about this is that I want to make this very, very clear. Um Characters like this in transition, because, again, this whole like down on your luck thing, we've seen it before. We saw it with MVP back in the day when all of a sudden he went on this crazy losing streak. MVP was built as a guy who had the biggest like uh, one shot contract in WWE history, became United States champion, tag team champion. And then before they turned him babyface, he went on this incredible. He didn't win a match for like a year, you know, and then he actually came out of it stronger. But it's a very risky thing to do when you put someone in a state of transition like this. We saw how it did not work out for Damian Mizdow um, because there has to be there has to be a turn. There has to be a shift that makes sense, that gives the person something to do. So while this is the most compelling that Baron Corbin has ever been as a character to me, this in no way means that for someone like myself that I want to see Baron Corbin in the main event, I will say I am more apt and interested to see what they do with Baron Corbin going forward and what he looks like, because obviously he needs a fresh coat of paint. Obviously, this is a long term storyline they're telling, and it's very engaging and it's very compelling. But that doesn't mean that I necessarily want to watch him on top at all. I just again, I love love everything he's done so far, whether it's again, stealing uh, Biggie's briefcase, whether it's like the little videos he puts out on social media and also in the ring. I think his match with Cameron Owens was actually really, really good, especially for like under 10 minutes. 
um, just to show they had a quality match. And as you know, him getting squashed by actually, he wasn't even quite a squash, just a five minute match with Drew McIntyre. I thought was very good. So I thought Baron Corbin is just kind of one of those guys who, um, who is killing it. And I wanted to acknowledge him really quickly. Yeah, no, he's as well, you should. He's maximizing his minutes, and uh, apparently, he's one of the more well liked guys. Um, you know, the writer, they he's he's very easy to talk to and bounce things off, and it shows. And uh, it seems like, again, he's safe in the ring. That's never going to be a problem when you don't hurt nobody. That's always great. So and it seems like he's willing to take this character wherever the character needs to go. I mean, if he was if he was 5'11", he'd be dead in the water, but he's a big guy, got size on him. So you can work with that. You can you can figure that out. And Vince ain't never going to dislike size, you know, because it is the wrestling business after all. That's true. Um now, let me talk about what I thought was my personal favorite match of the week on a very, very good pay-per-view. Uh, I thought Debbie Finley and your personal favorite, Jay White. I thought they put The best wrestler in the world, Jay White and David it's Finley. It's hard, so to argue. It. hard to argue he's not. Well, I still, I still, I still take my guy Shingo over him. But Yeah, that's but, right. that, that, but, that is fair. Shank, but Shingo's working on top, so that, that, I, that's fair. But Jay, but Jay is, 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 he's on the list. He's yes. on the list, man. And yeah, and I thought him and Devin Finley had another great match. I thought this was actually better than their um, uh, tournament match where, yep. you know, Devin Finley pulled a shock and got his first win in like 12 tries against uh, Jay White, if I'm, if I'm yep. remembering my statistics correctly. Yep. Uh, I thought this was even better, and I thought they had a great match. And uh, Jay White, of course, defended his uh, New Japan uh, Neverweight Championship. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, again, I'm a... I, I'm a big fan of David's progression, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Jay, Jay just, Jay, Jay that dude, bro. <laughs> Jay, Jay's just that dude. I watch him and be- I, I, I look at his, I'm like, yeah, Jay White won. He's better. Like, that's how I think. That's how good the dude is. Like, that's just, he's, he's done and he knows it. And again, Jay's one of those dudes that, he, he, he actually does pro wrestling. I don't know if you've seen the New Japan when they do those virtual signings. He's not. He's Jay White. He's like, I'm King Switch. I'm the last rock and roll. He's that same dude because he gets it to the point that I don't know where them. T- I don't know where the disconnect is and I don't need to know. That's that guy. Uh, so, yeah, he continues to put on barn burners. Excellent matches. And uh, David Finley just raised his profile. He's just he's he's become quite the hand himself. Absolutely. One of the most, as far as in my book, again, he's somebody who I've, I heard of maybe seen a couple of times, never really held him in too high regard, to be honest with you, before this year. And then his run with Finn Juice, his performance in the tournament that we mentioned earlier, and now another match against Jay White. He definitely has climbed a few more tiers in my book as a wrestler. Um, the rest of the surgeons card was really good, man. Yeah. Really, really good. I thought Moose versus Ishii. I thought this may be Moose's best match of the year, which is saying something. I thought he had yep. a really good one against Kenny and the Rich Swan. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, the match against Ishii that, you know, Ishii actually won, which yeah. I was a little surprised by. But, actually, I mean, Ishii is another guy who just doesn't have bad matches. Yes, um, uh, Tanahashi, now U.S. I do a WGP champion. I think it's, I'm a little bit, again, from a storytelling perspective, I feel like uh, Lance Archer is a guy who they portrayed as a monster who eats lots of losses. He's always been somewhere in between, but they never quite put a rocket on him, but you know, like he, they, we know he can what he can do, but he's he seems to hit glass ceiling, of you know what I mean as far as like where he belongs on the card. Um, but like him and, and again Tanahashi, you can't really have a bad match against Tanahashi. So yeah, Lance Archer is one of those big men who's a monster who honestly is kind of proven that he doesn't really need a title. Now it's advantageous at times to put the belt on him, 
but I, I don't think he's one. Again, if you look at a lot of big, big guy dominant champions, do they have the title that long? It's very, very rare. I mean, Vader being one of them. Um, Cycle, not even Cycle Sid. No, Kevin Nash as Diesel had a year long reign, and it and it did wood in the hood. It it, it wasn't a, a considered a draw in that regard. Um, you know, I mean, I guess the last big guy who you could consider, you know, being a draw was maybe Batista in his first run. You know what I'm saying? So, so there is so. Well, would, I think you, would you say Drew? Drew McIntyre? He's a big guy. I, right? I wouldn't say Drew's a big guy, and okay. also, and also, Drew's like six five, six six. Once you get a bit bigger than that, that's when we that's when they like Isn't to label true? you a big guy. I, again, I, I do not know, but but again, it's also you know it depends on where you're wrestling at. I feel like if Drew was in New Japan, or even oh, he'd be a monster. Yeah, he'd be a big guy. Yes, but, but WWE, yeah. right. So, I think he's so, bigger than than Lance. He seems bigger. No, Lance is six eight. Oh, I no. think he's built as like six nine, six ten. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, you know, and also like the whole pandemic era thing, it's like that you kind of have to. You know, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is in that regard. But generally, big guy, I mean, look at Taker. Taker's longest tie- run with the title is like five months. Because when you're that big of a monster and killer, you should win the title to show that, of course, you win the title. Do you need to hold the title? And people will say, well, Brock Lesnar. And I'm, when I talk about big guys, Brock is not, a, he's, a mon- he's, a, he's a beast. But in terms of size, monster, killer, Brody-like characters, Brock is not that. So um, I think he's shown very clearly, uh, Lance has, that he should win, but he doesn't need to hold. And I think especially for New Japan, it was very, very important that they get their title back. That, more than anything else, was just sort of to bring a general overall stability to the title, to bring it back to Japan, and then showcase. And Because we know, I think, in the States, we have a better understanding of what the IWGP United States title is and could be. We have a better understanding of what that is than the Japan audience may. And they need to become familiarized with that in the same way that I think we are, because John Moxley did do a really good job with that, especially once they had taken the the AEW title off of him. So putting it back around Tanahashi, putting it on Tanahashi's waist in a very good match. Uh, Tanahashi can be as broken down as anybody. Again, he reminds me so much of of Muda and that he can just be broken down and just beat up, but he's still going to find a way to put on these really good to great matches uh, every time. And uh, so, you know, and Tana's going to take it back to Japan and then have a, a, a litany of great matches with that. And also the spirit. It's like Tanahashi has gold again, is which is a very is, important thing. Or do you think that the New Japan made calculation that Tanahashi is a bigger sell in U.S. because they're now they're starting their U.S. tour? Um, and yeah, you know, yes, Tanahashi yeah. is a bigger sell than Lance Archer in U.S. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, that, but that's a fact. I mean, that's yeah, not no, even. I'm not, no, I'm not yeah. disagreeing with that. I just no, no, totally. Yeah, why you think you yes. want it now. So, so oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think there are a number of contributing factors. I think that's definitely one of them. I mean, Tanahashi is a bigger draw in Japan or in the U.S. than Lance Archer. And that just speaks to the strength of Tanahashi. That just speaks to his overall legacy. If Tanahashi, like, here's the thing I will say, like, if Tanahashi goes down and is considered the, the, the goat of New Japan, that puts him in the, the, the pantheon of best ever, quite frankly, because to me, Keiji Muto, the great Muda, is arguably the best ever. And he's the guy who I would say was the New Japan goat. But that's also like, who, who trained Tanahashi? Muto. So, uh, uh, you know, Tanahashi's special, and he's just a draw. Everybody wants to see the guy. 
<laughs> everybody wants to see him and his commitment to just being excellent. Like you, you can never count him out. He's such an endearing figure to so many people. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, if they were like, yeah, we got to be in the U.S. with this. Tanahashi is a bigger draw. That is correct. Yeah, Tanahashi might be, again, on the very short list of, uh, of people you can say is the greatest wrestler for the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not a long list. Tanahashi, if, if, if that's what you think of this, I have absolutely no problem with, you saying, with anyone saying that. Um, yep. Speaking of the, the, that generation of young lions, we have a new Intercontinental title in WWE, and King Nakamura continues yes. to run ever since being paired with Boogs and uh, becoming a, getting a, a crown from um, previously matched Baron Corbin. He is now your Intercontinental champion. Yes. I, I, was a, I was a fan of it. Liked it like the match. I mean, again, and here's where I'll, you know, this is where the turn with him and Baron did really, really good stuff that could have been throwaways. I'm glad that since they understood that they were short on depth, (laughs) they needed to sort of do something. And these guys really, they made that whole King thing pretty important. Nakamura winning it was cool. So now he's King Nakamura, which is like, we know him as the King of Strong Style. So this is all kind of like familiar to us. Uh, We have been happy to see it. He'd been clicking on all cylinders as has Apollo, uh, let's not be mistaken. And now him and Apollo, in theory, get to do a lot of cool stuff. I enjoyed the match. I liked the match. I liked the finish. I liked the crowd reaction to it. Um, very happy for Nakamura because, and hopefully, you know, hopefully he gets some time with it, not even necessarily with the title, but just the time in the upper mid card because he deserves to be there. He's relative. I mean, honestly, he's relatively young, quite frankly. And he still has a lot to contribute, uh, you know, uh, as a as a talent. Absolutely, and again, he's never been harder in in yes. in, in WWE. So, um, yeah. very good team. Unfortunately, again, I don't think he's wrestling on SummerSlam, but it's fine. I think we'll, you know we'll uh, preview it on uh, in a couple of days. But uh, SummerSlam already has ten matches. I don't think we need another one on top of it. Um, speaking of, uh, the crowd was great for the for their match for the IC title because the crowd was. Great for most of the night on uh, SmackDown. I thought, uh, I'm not going to lie, I thought last week's shows pretty much Monday through Thursday, to be quite frank, were not great. Uh, and then Friday came and we got Rampage, which I, I enjoyed. I thought it was excellent. And uh, right before that, we had a really good episode of SmackDown, I thought. Um, we have, of course, being led to, and the thing that made the most sense, I think it was bookended by... Uh, Two, you know, uh, I would say competing promos, although I guess things got physical for the contract signing, as they always do, between Sasha Banks and uh, Bianca Belair in the end, in what I thought was an excellent segment. And like I said, I think the the, the build to their match has been better than built to their WrestleMania match. Sasha Banks got heaters now. She is more of a heel. She's doing even better heel work than she did before because when she was facing Bianca, she was just transitioning from being a babyface into a heel. Now she's a fully-fledged heel. Bianca, as, as we've talked about, has just been one of the best big faces on the roster. So I think, again, very excited for the work that the, the two ladies have done. And, of course, the, the show opened with a 25-minute promo segment, which, uh, in theory, 99% of the time would absolutely kill me. Uh, but I will enjoy watching uh, another shoot promo between uh, Roman and the other man. The other man, we can say, is the greatest wrestler for the past 20 years, John Cena. You mean you like seeing uh, Roman die in the ring as John I- Cena properly eviscerated him? As these two individuals claim, they claim they can speak freely and off the cuff. And the reality of it is, is that while Roman is a good promo when he gets to say what he wants to say, everything that John said about that character of Roman is true. 
So he does all he can sit there and say is your girl left you. Well, sometimes, you know, your girl, your girl can leave. Hey, if you've listened to a wrestling podcast right now, you know what that feel like. So, you know, <laughs> so it's so it's one of those where it's like and again, but that's important to bring up because it brings up the fundamental flaw of the Roman Reigns character, which is why he has to be the way that he has to be now. This very paranoid, insecure, manipulative character, because deep down he does understand. Oh, they they mortgaged the company on me and it hasn't really worked until now. And even then, look at all the damage that was done just to get to a, a, the correct point. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things. Uh, again, I don't I still don't think I'm excited for the match, to be quite frank. I think I'm I want to see more them. after the match. And I'll tell you I why. Think, I think for me, I think if you mind me saying uh, for me, the example about the promo wasn't the. Uh, the Dean Ambrose match or the no, Nick Bella matches. For me, the exciting part of the match was the fact that now he we're telling a story that's going to be told in the ring. Gentina said that he's going to be the hell of me. I just need to hang around to get the one for three. I'm like, ooh, okay. So now this is what the match is going to be like. Now we're going to have some storytelling, and I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, and I, I think. think if, and, and I think I think both of these guys again. We don't really talk about them as technicians, partially because of WWE style. And I think uh, when we talk about technicians, people usually you know talk about guys from Andre. That just always has been the way, even like. Uh, obviously, Ric Flair was considered a great technician, but like uh, people more would bring up uh, Anderson more than Ric Flair just because Ric Flair was just talked about as like the best overall. Whereas now, Arn Anderson was talking about technician. Both of these guys got really good at telling stories in the ring. That's kind of how they got to be the top babyface for so long. Even if you disagree with it, their facials, their selling, their uh, bumping has always been good, if not necessarily the best on the roster. Um, so I think both these guys will tell a story. And now we know what story they're telling. And personally, I'm excited to see that story being told. We're still some, I mean, I think we know Romarine's going to win, but there's always that chance that they want to make history and give John Cena his 17th title, which, again, I'm really happy that they refocused on that as well. Yeah, the only way they don't give John Cena a 17th title is if John Cena dies or if he just never wants it. That's just how that's going to wind up being because, you know, they want that title, but they understand that they could extend that for as long as they need to to have John be a more, uh, a bigger Hollywood star, and then they could just put it on him then for a month or two, like they would do with the rock. And then he gives it to someone who needs that, who needs the rocket up there. But um, yeah, I mean, again, I think these two are very, very good in the ring. I actually think Roman naturally is better. Um, so I, you know, you can tell it's very easy to tell Roman is very good in the ring. This is not nobody going to watch the man lock up, watch his footwork. It's excellent. Right. So that's that. I'm not questioning that. I'm not excited for the match. I've already seen the match. Now, I know they'll tell it a different way. They will tell it a different way. But again, listen, I'm going to say this. If John hits three attitude adjustments and he kicks out, I've seen the match. I'm done. I've seen the match. We literally saw David Finley versus uh, Jay White mm-hmm. 13, 14 times before we saw it last week. And it was the best. Yeah, but, but guess what? But Jay's one of the best in the world. So it's a, it, and Jay is in the short list of being the actual best. He sells better than both these individuals. He, his footwork is better. He's crisper. So it's like, it's a, and his psychology is better because of where he trained and where he got to work. And it seems like he has a greater aptitude for it. Um, it seems like. So, but that, but that's a different thing. And they were telling a totally different story. This is a story of two guys who have just kind of always been on top, right? So that, that's how we saw it at No Mercy years back. That's how we're kind of seeing it now again, because at No Mercy years back, John was on his way out the door and everybody knew it. And that match was infuriating because of how it was booked. These, again, the company thought if he just kicks out of everything John does, 
that somehow people will like Roman. So I'm telling you, we, if we see three attitude adjustments and Roman kicks out, then we've seen the match. If we see one I, I attitude adjustment, hold on, hold on, hold on. If we see one attitude adjustment and then all of a sudden the Usos interfere, we're seeing a different match, but it's the same outcome. So, um, you know, uh, it's a good match. I've seen the match. I'm not excited for the match. That does not mean that I will not be happy about having seen the match. It's just not one of those like, oh, I can't, ooh, I can't, I can't wait for that. That's it's just it's just not that. Well, we'll get to hear more of your opinions on SummerSlam match and find out what match for SummerSlam you actually are excited about later on this week. And this is called the hook, ladies and gentlemen. That's yes. how you yeah, that's right. That's how you even wanting more. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else from the from past week? We actually kind of we did a good look at us go, man. We yeah, no. screw it. Uh, I do want to say that not not from this past week, but I do want to reference something that was brought up. About 11 days ago, uh, with an interview that Zack Ryder did, or Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder, has really been uh, just branching out into the independent scene and has been doing a lot of really great stuff. Um, as, you, as you guys know, uh, he is, you know, he's a game changer. And he goes and he talks about his time in, uh, in WWE. And he talks about the advent of uh, the internet championship because they were not using him. So um, he created this belt for himself and he asked if he could, you know, just wear this belt and come out with this thing because people have to remember during that time in WWE, you were either figured, it's still that way now, but like you were figured in or you weren't. And if you weren't figured in, you had to find a way to sort of get yourself over. So Zack Ryder got himself over in spite of the, the company's plans for him. And again, he started his own YouTube channel, like the Z True uh, Long Island Story. All these things became very, very popular. And Cardona goes on to explain in this interview that he's like Triple H saw him and said, you know, you're such a mark for yourself in reference to that Internet championship. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, you're a mark for yourself. You create your own belt. And he's like, no, it's not real. I'm just this is. Like I'm being everybody knows I'm being ridiculous. And then Triple H then went on and said, you know, this was 10 years ago. Half the locker room would have kicked your ass. And he and then he said, well, thankfully, I'm, I'm well liked in the locker room. And Triple H said, and that's why the houses are only half full. Now, when you talk about marks for themselves, I find it very interesting that this guy, Triple H, a man who before he signed his re-up contract in 1999, neither provision in the contract that he would win the WWE title would call someone else a mark. I find it very, very interesting that a man that when The Rock made his SNL debut in what, 2000, that when all the wrestlers were at the end of the show, that the man who was holding the WWF title like an insecure child, it wasn't The Rock, it was Triple H. I find it very interesting that that man will call someone a mark for themselves. I find it very, very, very interesting that at WrestleMania 19, when he built up this storyline, built around racism and Booker T, when Booker T was the hottest that he had ever been in WWE as a babyface. But guess what? Oh, who won that match? Triple H, after pedigreeing him and then didn't make a cover for two hours, would call someone like that a mark for themselves. I find it very, very interesting that when we talked about the WWE 2K games, that there was an actual memo sent out to THQ that in none of the screen gap grabs or any of the shots that could ever be used for television, internet, or distribution purposes, Triple H could never be shown to be in a helpless defensive position. This was a memo sent out. 
that these people had to abide by. And this guy has the nerve to call someone a mark for themselves. I find it very, very interesting during his reign of terror, when the houses started going down, Vince McMahon sent out Pat Patterson on the road and say, hey, can you figure out this problem? I have a real situation here. Pat goes on the road. He comes back and he said, it's your son-in-law. And guess what? Pat Patterson wasn't with the company for a little bit. I find it very interesting that that guy sits there and will call anyone a mark for themselves. So I understand that a lot of you have a great affinity for Triple H and everything that you feel that he's done with NXT. By their metrics, it has failed. And he has been a mark for himself, even in NXT, creating a product that he knew he was going to try to out-indie the indies. And he still just gave them WWE. And now, whether it's right or wrong, he's being lambasted for it. He will never be lambasted for the facts that I have just told you about his character, his insecurity, and him being a mark for himself for the better part of 26 years yeah no disagreements here i don't i think uh i think you've outlined the pretty perfect case you want to talk about uh a much lower degree uh the free i think we have our first aw discount worker and uh the acclaimed max casper yeah he yeah like he's selling his pants and looks like he's selling his uniform yeah, it could, it could, yeah, and he's saying he looks like he won't be needing those anymore. Of course, uh, Max Caster, he put out, he did the promo on Simone Biles or did the rap on Simone Biles on AEW Dark uh, that receives a lot of criticism. It was pulled. Uh, apparently, he was put on ice, whatever that means. And, uh, you know, so either, you know, he removed all his AEW references from his social media. Um, yeah, I mean, hey, it's either real or it's not. But if it's real, this was bound to happen. Uh, it was bound to happen. And, um, you know, it, it's if it's coming to that, that's unfortunate because I do believe that the acclaimed have a lot to contribute. I don't think it warrants this type of situation if it is real and if it is true. Uh, but we'll see. But yeah, it's pro wrestling and not everybody going to be happy, even in a company where that is more universally loved by, you know, by, you know, a part of the wrestling populace. You're still going to have wrestlers that are disgruntled because even if it is your passion, it is still a job. Yeah, and the truer words have never been spoken. Yep. Um, <laughs> well, I think I think we did good. Yeah, I think we're done. I think we knocked uh, that one out. Your match of the week, I ain't got nothing. I'll be I'll be fully honest, man. I watch too much TV, regular weekly TV to go back and decide to any archives this week. Sorry, oh, sorry, oh, oh, dude. Honestly, I mean, mine mine is easy. I I would say to anyone, and I'm sure many of us have seen it. My match of the week. Please go watch it again just to feel that moment and feel that vibe. Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega from the first episode of Rampage. Like literally, oh, literally like when you. I sent it to when I sent it to you on YouTube and whatever else it's on YouTube, you can put it in the description. It's excellent. It's fun. It's easy. I thought it was a perfect blend of like the super new school stuff and uh, and pro wrestling and a pro wrestler who was also the, pr the predecessor toward the new school that we see now. I, I thought it was very, very excellent. I don't need to give a bunch of context. <laughs> I'll give you a bunch of context for some old stuff next week. Yeah, um, only thing I can, I don't know, if you have to watch something, uh, uh, it's, it's uh, SummerSlam week, watch one of the greatest uh, main events in SummerSlam history, go watch uh, British Bulldog versus Bret Hart, uh, 1992 yeah. SummerSlam, uh, excellent match again, so you talk about the hot crowd, oh my yes. god, one of the best yes. crowds for any wrestling match ever. Yes, easily, 100%. All right, uh, and with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back later this week, because this is a special week, we'll be back with our SummerSlam and TakeOver previews later on. Have a blessed day. We will talk to you soon. Peace.